0: If you have your Bibles with you, you might like to open to John chapter 10. That's the passage that will be, uh, well, the beginning of John chapter 10, that's the passage we'll be looking at today. Let's uh, let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to your word, we're trying to hear what you have to say to us through your word. We invite your Holy Spirit just to be present with us now, to speak through your word, to speak into our minds, into our lives. And Father, we pray that as a result of hearing from you, you'll be glorified in our lives, we'll be encouraged as we leave this place this morning. So we thank you, We knowing that you have already declared that your word will never return to you void. So we thank you as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, we'll progress through the reading throughout this this message. encourage you to keep your Bibles open and to to read along when we get to those those verses. But um, the words will be up on the screen as well. I think it's a good thing that Jesus spoke about being the gate before Aussie slang came along. He wasn't like a bull at a gate. He didn't shut the gate. And he didn't come out swinging like a rusty gate. So, we're going to look at our passage this morning. What goes through your mind when you're in a discussion with somebody and they say, Well, truthfully, does that mean that generally they're not truthful? And they're actually, this time they're going to be truthful. So we come to John chapter 10, and Jesus begins with, I tell you the truth. Does that infer that there have been other times when Jesus didn't tell the truth? Well, no, not at all. Not at all. Whenever you read these words, I tell you the truth or truly, truly I say unto you, I'm not sure what what version you have in front of you, but whenever you read those words as used by Jesus, there's a direct connection with what is intended here is a direct connection with what has already just taken place. And I'm about to tell you something really important, something related to what has just happened, what has just taken place. There's a connection. And in this case, Jesus has just healed a man who has been born blind. The Pharisees are determined to find out who had healed this man on the Sabbath because that was against their law for keeping the Sabbath holy. So who had healed this man? And in fact, they become so infuriated with this man because he can't tell them who had healed him remembering he was blind, but he, he gives them the best answers that he can, the Pharisees throw him out on the street because he can't give them the answers that they're looking for. Pharisees were sticklers for the law. And the fourth commandment clearly said, "'You shall keep the Sabbath holy.'" However, they seem to be more concerned about keeping the letter of the law rather than nurturing the intention behind it, rather than living out the intention of the law. God's concern, however, is that we love him and that we love one another. And come to think of it, wasn't that how Jesus summed up the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus healed on the Sabbath because God is always speaking life. Regardless of whether it's the Sabbath or not, God is always speaking life. The Pharisees seemed less pleased that this man was healed from blindness than they were about upholding the letter of the law. They lacked grace. They lacked love. They weren't operating from the intention of Of the law. Sometimes we too are a little too zealous about what other people are doing or not doing according to our ideals or standards. We have certain expectations for Christians and we're quick to point the finger when those expectations aren't met. Appropriate dress sense, unkempt hair, thongs or a singlet, tattoos, use of language, alcohol, drug use and even music preference. These are some of the things that can hinder our care of others and hinder the words of life that we should otherwise bring for them. Our attitude, our expectations, our preferences can cloud our care. Now, Jesus had heard about how this man had been so poorly treated by the Pharisees and he sought him out. He wanted to touch base again with this man. And after a short chat with him, remembering that this man had been born blind and he could now see, Jesus says, For judgment I came into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind that's John 9:39 some Pharisees who were within earshot they asked what are we blind too verse 41 from chapter 9 Jesus replied if you were blind you would not be guilty of sin but now that you claim you can see your guilt remains Jesus doesn't say that they were blind, as probably they expected him to say. Yes, you're blind. But rather that they were guilty of spiritual failure. Guilty of spiritual blindness. If they had the love of the Father within them, they would have reacted differently to this man and they would have reacted differently toward Jesus if they had the love of the Father within them. And so what we have from Jesus at the beginning of chapter 10 is an allegory designed to point out the differences between the Pharisees and himself. And the inference from Jesus is that if you claim to have the light of wisdom, if you claim to to be the spiritually wise that you can see, then he shares an allegory that they should understand. This then is not a new thought or event, but again, it's the continuation of a discussion that's already, already been taking place with the Pharisees. So he begins in verse 1. Truly, truly, I, t- I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of that sheep. And we'll see in verse 6 that the Pharisees, they don't understand. They don't get what Jesus is, is speaking of. They don't get it. And so he's just accused them of failing in their spiritual duties and here he accused them of being thieves and robbers. Good way to make friends and influence people. I just had to include this photo. <laughs> I came upon this this week, and, and I don't know whether this is a sheep with attitude, <laughs> or this is one who is happy and with a uh, a cheerful endurance. Miles was talking about that last week. So what's Jesus trying to convey? well as is often the case, Jesus uses an everyday example to highlight a spiritual truth and he talks about the sheepfold. The sheepfold was common in Jesus' day. These were often made of stone, a stone structure with either a gate or a gateway where a shepherd may sit overnight to keep the sheep safe within that, that compound. If there was a secure gate, then built toward the outside of the sheepfold was a watchtower and a shepherd would stay up there in the in the sheep in the watchtower watching the sheep for the likes of wolves and foxes and thieves that might come to steal to kill or destroy and Jesus inference was that this man who has been born blind had entered the sheepfold of God had come into that sheepfold through the gate As any sheep should, through faith in Christ. Jesus had made mud, put on his eyes, and said, Go and wash. And in faith he did. He went to the the pool of Siloam where Jesus directed, and, and in faith he received his sight. These Pharisees sought to enter by another way, by their own way, and subsequently sought to take sheep for their own purposes, for their own gain to build themselves up at the expense of the sheep. And the sheep would not follow them, for they didn't care for the sheep. In contrast to the current Pharisees, he kept the the people in spiritual oppression. Jesus later describes himself as the way, the truth and the life. And in verses 3 to 5, Jesus then describes the difference between a shepherd who cares and one that doesn't, those that don't care. Verses 3 to 5. To him, to a good shepherd, to him the, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all, sorry, out all of his own, he goes before them, the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Again, it was, it was common in Jesus' day for a village to have a communal sheepfold where a number of shepherds might, might lead their sheep for the night. And a gatekeeper would then allow those shepherds access to the sheepfold. When a shepherd called his sheep by name, only their sheep would come. Only their sheep would follow him to still waters, to green pastures. The shepherd provides for his sheep and guides them every day. His sheep know his voice and they're happy to follow. But a stranger's voice They would not follow. How well do you know God's voice? You understand that the Bible is God's word and that he still speaks to us today through his word. But how well do you know God's voice? And are we spending time with him in his word? Is it our priority? Are we asking him to lead us, knowing that he will lead us safely to still waters and green pastures, knowing that he will lead us every day? If you're not spending time with God, then you're leaving yourself open to hearing other voices. That may well lead you elsewhere. Voices that distort God's word. Voices that lead you in the ways of the world. Voices that prompt our attitudes and character traits to be anything but like Christ. So, how well do you know God's voice? Jesus was accusing the Pharisees of being strangers, thieves, robbers, because they were failing in their spiritual responsibilities. They didn't know God's voice. But as they heard Jesus' words, they were confused. They failed to understand, as we see in verse 6. And so Jesus says in verse 7, Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. Once again, Jesus begins with, truly, I say to you. In other words, well, let me put it this way. Let's see if you can get it now. Later he'll go on to say that he is the good shepherd, but for this, at this moment in time he says, I am the gate. I am the gate for the sheep. And his audience has now broadened to include a number of uh, bystanders. It's not, no longer just the Pharisees, but it, it, the crowd is growing. I'm the gate. It's a significant statement I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. He is the single place through which you must enter God's sheepfold. The prophets of old, they were pointing the way to God, but the present leaders of Judaism were thieves and robbers as they sought to use their position for their own gain, to build themselves up. And for the most part, most Jews did not listen to their voice. Now, I wonder how many of you have ever had to work with sheep. I grew up on a farm. We had a small flock of around 250 sheep. It wasn't many, but it was enough to learn that they can be hard to handle. They seem to have a mind of their own. And if you're trying to move a mob of sheep, and one decides to take off that way, most of the rest will just follow. They're real, real pain to, to try and move from one paddock to the next. You, like many others, may think that sheep are dumb and stupid. I've always called them dumb, stupid sheep. Well, guess what? Jesus describes you and I as sheep. And I don't think he does that by mistake. I think he does that on purpose. Next week we'll think about what it means to follow the Good Shepherd. There are times when we are not following the Good Shepherd that indeed we are dumb and stupid. But keep that in mind. You and I are sheep. And so a second time Jesus says, I am the gate. Verse 9, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the gate. He is the way, the truth, the life. Salvation is found in no one else. And although this is not popular in our politically correct culture, all roads do not lead to heaven. Around the world, people don't all worship the same God. Sincerity doesn't get you there. Good works aren't the ticket. Jesus is the only way. He is the gate. And so the only way in is by relationship. You ask Jesus to be your saviour, your lord, your best friend, your shepherd. You get to know him. You get to know his voice. You follow your shepherd. Jesus said, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus leaves us in no doubt. You will be saved. And you will find pasture. Jesus is the gate through which we are saved through faith. And as our shepherd, he provides us. He has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us and so the sheep go in to a place of safety and they go out to green pastures and still waters the sheep come in for rest and they go out for nourishment and refreshment wherever we go God is with us blessing us providing for us protecting us We are free to live a life that is not shackled by rules and regulations, but free to live life in joyful obedience. What a difference. The thief, however, comes to steal, kill and destroy. That's the goal of Satan. Always has been. Peter said the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's a deceiver, accuser. He's the father of lies. He's looking for the Christian who does not keep using their faith toolbox. You have a faith toolbox. And in that toolbox are those tools. The Christian who isn't going back to meaningful Bible verses. The Christian who isn't remembering God's goodness to them in the past. Christian who isn't spending time in prayer communing with their father, those who are not looking to Christian brothers and sisters for encouragement and support, all of those things are tools within your faith toolbox. And if you're using those things, then you're safe and secure. If you are following your shepherd, you are safe and secure. Satan wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to steal our joy, kill off our obedience and destroy our lives. If we're using our faith toolbox, we're safe, we're secure. If we're following the voice of our shepherd, we're safe. And so Jesus, on the other hand, as opposed to Satan, came that we might have life and have it abundantly. There's no greater contrast. Satan comes to destroy life. Jesus comes to give it and give it abundantly. And the Greek word for abundance means that there will always be a surplus. Always be a surplus. Remember as Jesus as the bread of life. He fed 5,000 and at the end of feeding 5,000 he directs the disciples go and collect the leftovers. Twelve basketfuls of leftovers and scripture tells us that they had all had their fill. It wasn't like there were people who were still hungry, wanting for more. They'd had their fill and yet there was all that over. I always wonder what happened to that. But King David spoke of the abundant blessings of God as a cup overflowing. And for Paul, he lists the troubles that life has brought his way, but he continues to describe the grace of God as all sufficient. He doesn't deny that there are troubles in this life, but God's grace is beyond measure, there's a surplus. God's grace and favour towards us is never-ending. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Still waters, green pastures. I trust that you know Jesus as your gate under salvation. I trust that you are within the sheepfold of God. If you're not and you'd like to come into faith in Jesus Christ, then see one of us. After we'll come forward at the as we sing our closing song, we 'd love to introduce you to Jesus. And I trust that you also know Jesus as your good shepherd. Again, we 'll think about that next week. we 're encouraged to keep listening to his voice and following him every day. let 's take a moment in prayer. Father, we thank you for the gift of life that is available to us through Jesus Christ. Thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, that he declared himself as the gate into your sheepfold. And thank you that we are your sheep. Sheep that can be led by the Good Shepherd. Thank you that... You are our shepherd who loves us dearly and has given his own life for us. And we pray, Father, that we would just make every effort to get more and more familiar with your voice and to follow you obediently and joyfully, to trust you. So we thank you as we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.